0: (laughs) all right what's up everybody and welcome to episode number 41 of uncovering unexplained mysteries i am josh cannon and this is my diligent steadfast co-host mike how's it going mike
1: i'm doing good doing good uh Gonna go to a job fair at a local Goodwill tomorrow, see what happens.
0: Oh, boy, are they Uh, gonna have a Ferris wheel?
1: (laughs) No, it's not that kind of fair, Josh. (laughs) Aw. That's
0: always funny, uh, though, that they call it a fair, you know? Yeah, it is.
1: It is. It is kind of strange. Job
0: carnival?
1: Probably what I'm gonna try to do is, uh, beforehand, I'm gonna gonna try to get up earlier, which is crazy for me. Yeah, me too. Uh, But... So I can get out there a bit earlier, because then maybe I can drop by the local pawn shop around the same area and see if I can find some, you know, movies and stuff. They have some great deals; like their DVDs are like a dollar each, so it's insane. Um, and uh, with the job fair, I don't really know exactly how it's going to go. I've never, don't have have that much experience with it. I'm just going to dress up fairly nice. Head out there. Hopefully it doesn't – the rain. The weather is nice tomorrow. That would be really appreciated. And uh, I guess just see what happens. Give my resume. I don't know how things go there, to be perfectly honest. We'll see. We shall see. How close
0: close are you to getting your uh, license and being able to drive? Because I'm telling you, man, that'll up your game. I'm not
1: to that point yet, though. That'll
0: that'll up your job finding game uh, immensely if you're able to drive around. and
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know.
0: I know. But... Weren't we supposed to have hoverboards by now, according to Back to the Future?
1: Yeah, actually two years ago, 2015.
0: Damn it. You could have been you. You've been hovering around the fucking city. Actually,
1: a year ago, I think, 2016. That was, was so annoying
0: 20- when the Back to the Future, like all the memes that uh, th- that before the actual day came, all those stupid memes saying, today was the day that they went to in the future, and uh, Back to the Future, and they had the meme, and then someone photoshopped like that day Yeah, 2015, and- yeah. Yeah, and then finally the real day came up. It's like thank God no one can post those stupid memes anymore. Um,
1: <laughs> I, I like the Back to Future uh, day though thing they did, uh, where you could see all three films in the theater. I thought that was pretty awesome.
0: Oh yeah, and then they reissued the uh, those Pepsi those oddly shaped Pepsi bottles that were in the future only
1: to like legit like the people at like a, a Comic Con. Yeah, and, and then d- scalpers... dressed up as uh, Marty or somebody from the from the film. And they sold some online, but scalpers bought them all.
0: Yeah, and then, like, price gouged everybody. Um, But, yeah, I've been doing, uh, I guess, okay. Uh, No weddings or anything super crazy lately. I just finished a a vlog, which is a big deal for me. Mike, not for Mike so much. He puts out videos, like, four a day. But for me, it's a big deal because... Not some, four a day. That's, well, you know,
1: that's never, not, that's, not that, that's a bit much. I don't do four. Movies that's not that off. That's not day.
0: that's not that off. Every time I see my YouTube, it's always got a, like a like four or five little you know videos that you've put out that I haven't watched yet or whatever. But yeah, yeah,
1: but that doesn't mean a day. Yeah,
0: well, whatever. Um, <laughs> I put out a vlog about why I hate country music. So if you want to check that out, you can go to YouTube.com dot slash dancing with ghosts. Mike's YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash OCP Communications. Um, we have a Facebook group uh, and a Facebook fan page. It's Facebook.com slash Uncovering uh, Unexplained Mysteries. And then you can use that same name to uh, join the private group, which has turned into a shit show, I must say. Uh, well, maybe not a shit show, but a... Um, a shit display. I don't know. We have like over like 600 almost 600 people in the group now. The group was started a few weeks ago, or maybe a month ago at this point. Yeah. And I'm thinking like 80% of the people in there don't even know that <laughs> that there's a podcast and that's why that page exists.
1: I mean, regardless, I don't really care. I mean, that's that's groups for you. Yeah. I mean, maybe they just they like unsolved mysteries and they they just decide to join the group or the like unexplained stuff whatever i mean whatever floats their boat i mean i'm not gonna maybe that'll open the door for more people to listen to the podcast and, yeah you know so i i don't see this as a shit show so to speak i see it as something that is uh interesting as an interesting development
0: Yeah, I Um, I just, I just, I just viewed it as a utopia for uh, all of our, you know, 20 people who are really engaged enough to actually, you know. It still
1: kind of technically is. I mean, I mean, look at most of the posts and comments. Look what most of them are from. They're from people who listen to the show. Yeah. They're not from a lot. There are some newcomers who're like, "Thank you for letting us in," but don't really seem to provide much discussion.
0: Um, yeah, but anyway, um, we also have a Patreon page that you can that's up to them anyway. You can support us on it's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. I just um, revamped the tiers, the reward tiers, so uh, the the lower amounts you get you get more than what you used to get, and then the higher amounts you also get more than what you used to get, including a live chat, which we're gonna be doing soon. So if you want to have a live chat with me and Mike occasionally, uh, where we're all on Skype and we can all see each other and stuff. Uh, I don't know why you would want that, but if you do, um, that's uh, the $20 tier. So, uh, yeah, go check that out. Um, So, this week was a a markedly um, different week in the Unsolved Mysteries world uh, than than most weeks because Reddit actually did a Ask Me Anything, a.k.a. an AMA. Oh, that was kind of funny, two abbreviations there in a row. A.k.a. AMA. Uh, it's basically where celebrities will go on Reddit, and the users can ask them anything. Although, given the privacy and clandestine nature of John Cosgrove and Terry Moore, I'm guessing the whole "anything" part was very narrow as far as what it people was could subjective.
1: Ask. It was very subjective, and. Uh it definitely wasn't one of those "ask me anything" type things. No. But that's kind of how it is mostly with these AMAs anyway. It's like "ask me anything" because AMA is catchy, and we we don't want to call it a Q and A because we think that's blase. Uh. Well. But I gotta it's say, not really necessarily true because I, I looked at a transcript and there were a lot of ones that just didn't answer.
0: Yeah, I got to say that I I dropped the ball on this one, folks, and I apologize. I really do. Um, I was supposed to get on the AMA. There's a few different things that were going against me. Um, You're apparently, like most other discussion or forums or whatever, the people who have more points or more kudos or karma or whatever you want to call it uh, are the people who generally get their questions answered more because... They don't want Johnny Come Lately's all up in there. They want the uh, yeah. veterans, you know, who But
1: that's that's kind of that's honestly I think that's pretty shitty.
0: It is that's shitty. It's pretty lame. It's stupid
1: because, because it's an ask me anything. So I I really don't get that at all.
0: Well, just because you've been on Reddit a long time doesn't necessarily mean you're a big fan of unsolved mysteries. What if you got a big fan who hears about this like, "Oh, I want yeah. I really want to ask some questions." Oh, too bad kid, you're not a regular Reddit user so you know yeah
1: I mean that is really lame
0: so I had that going against me I overslept I got on there at like four o'clock probably long after it was done I don't know how long they did it for but when I did try to log in reddit kept giving me this 404 error meaning this the site crashed or that there's an error loading or whatever they wouldn't let me get on I tried logging in and they uh they uh to quote Mike Morse i just let the phone ring, and it never went to answering machine. I don't know why it didn't go to the answering machine, so I just let it ring. That's what I did proverbially with the logging in. It just never went to, uh, to where it would let me log in, so I just kept trying. But, yeah, anyway, I mean, sorry, guys. I would have loved to have, you know... Uh, really asked them some. Uh, qu- yeah, I wasn't gonna be a dick about it. In, in all honesty, I like I like you know for entertainment's sake being like, oh yeah, I was gonna go in there and really rip them a new one. But no, I I just I would have been like, you know, can you tell me why you guys are so protective with your copyrights and how you you know you don't really allow people any kind of fair use of your stuff? What you know. Because fan communities and this, that, and the other thrive when companies give them a little bit of leeway to use their stuff, you know, whether, you know, in in the realms of fair use, whether it be review, critique, commentary, educational purposes, um, not just straight up ripping off the streams and making money, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about fan communities like, say, you know, Nintendo, if someone does a Let's Play and uses footage from their game. Uh, now they've started cracking down on, but usually company like video game companies especially are very lax about that because they know that hey, all these people are doing are being a walking commercial for our product. There's you know even if they're dissing it, if it's a big enough YouTuber, people are still going to go out and want to check it out even if it's really bad. And the guys in Unsolved Mysteries, they just don't get that. So they just strike everything down in general for a show that I really don't think is going to be brought back. Um, And I don't know if I would want it to be brought back. Anyway, we have the... um...
1: Well, you know, just to uh, add a little bit more to that. First off, Nintendo is notorious for blocking and content IDing and doing all kinds of shit on YouTube and fucking people over on YouTube with let's plays even big YouTubers like angry Joe and so on now they are so yeah they didn't use no they've actually been doing it for a while to be perfectly honest like definitely for a few years so that's nothing new uh, and uh, Nintendo is not necessarily the best example <laughs> but um I read from some people who looked over the Reddit and they were like, they asked some similar questions about uh, why they were why uh, the footage, why the clips were taken off of YouTube and things like that. Oh, really. and they and they answered the same sort of, you know, oh copyright, da 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 type thing. And one of the people who was on the Reddit, they said it seemed like they were coached by their lawyers on what what to say and how to answer certain questions
0: yeah good point good point that is how they come off i remember uh someone commented on our group or whatever and they were quoting somebody else and the person who commented was saying i have my own project that i've been working on and you know, about Unsolved Mysteries and thank you for this, that, and the other. And then John and Terry spawn back going, oh, no problem, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end they go, what's what's the name of your project, by the way? Or what, what project are you working on? And I just knew right then and there, I knew exactly what was going to happen if that guy had answered them They would have looked into this project, whether it was a YouTube channel or whatever, and they would have looked for any kind of infringement on their copyright. And they would have sent this person either an email. uh, They always start off with an email, and if they didn't comply, they'd send a letter. I I knew that's and it's like man,
1: or maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe they're they're lax more. They're more lax now since uh, they're getting this newfound publicity because the show is on Amazon Prime. And Film Rise technically has, technically does have the distribution rights now. I mean, if you think about it, I don't think they nearly have as much control as they used to when it comes to the full distribution rights, at least streaming rights of the show. I mean, look, it was on YouTube, the 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 Dennis Farina episodes. It's still on YouTube.
0: Yeah. And then there's another thing on YouTube. and like your
1: video, your video on on your channel. Filmrise is the one that claimed it, and they and you were able to contact them and get everything worked out. So I still don't think you you're, you're going to see people posting entire clips and stuff. That's still not allowed, and I can understand yeah, why.
0: I, I I wouldn't want that. You know, I mean, I I I understand why that would be harmful.
1: But for review purposes, I don't see the problem.
0: So let's really just don't. go through. Um, let's just go through these real quick. Uh, it's called. This
1: is from Mental Floss. Uh, this is a bunch of answers that uh, they collected from the AMA. They thought were interesting. We're going to go down the line as usual, go back and forth. So you start with the first one.
0: So the first one is. Uh, this is called "12 Things We Learned About Unsolved Mysteries" from the creators of uh, uh, the Reddit's "Ask Me Anything," John and Terry. Uh, number one, the creators knew what they were looking for in an unsolved mystery story. Moore and Cosgrove wrote that they were looking for quote a good mix of stories, murders, missing, wanted, paranormal, etc. end quote. When deciding to put on the show, beyond that, beyond that mix, they wanted mysteries that had more than one suspect or theory. Finally, they wrote quote We focused on stories we thought the show might be able to solve. end quote. Um, so wow, yeah. that's
1: such an interesting. <laughs> amazing question
0: yeah uh, very insightful i mean i could have never guessed that from watching the show myself you know
1: the second question is uh this one actually is something a bit new i really had never heard of it heard that this was the case before number two they used a newspaper clipping service to find stories though the stories featured on the show came from a variety of sources we had viewers who sent in cases, law enforcement who would contact, contact with us with cases, and we had a team of researchers constantly looking as well. The duo said that they also used a newspaper clipping service with some grim keywords. When we were producing the show, the internet didn't exist yet, so we had a newspaper clipping service that would send us articles from around the country, keying off the words like murder, missing, UFO, ghost, etc.
0: Man, that is old school. That is very yeah. cool <laughs> That's crazy. Number three, the call center featured in the show was real. I always pretty much figured that, but someone actually asked that question on our group one time, and this confirms it. Unsolved Mysteries filmed host uh, Robert Stack in locations all over Los Angeles, including Griffith Park and Hollywood Dam and the Hollywood Dam. Some shots also featured Stack walking through a call center. That was a real call center with real people, exclamation point.
1: That was a real call center with real people,
0: Moyer and Cosgrove (laughs) revealed.
1: (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I'm just imagining that was always a question they'd always get asked. And they're just irritated now by this point. You know, because people have asked them that for so many times. And they're just like, enough, they've had enough of this shit. And they're all like, that was a real call center with real people. Damn it, I'm sick and tired of answering this question. (laughs) Alright, so what's the next Uh, one? Number four, a few cases never made it on the air because the show's researchers solved them. Sometimes when our researchers would start investigating a story, they would solve the case themselves, especially a lost love type story. So those cases were abandoned before they aired.
0: Good. (laughs) No, we have enough lost love cases on there. I like a lost love every now and then, like I like a, I don't know, fucking.
1: A root beer float?
0: Yeah, there you go. Uh, every now and then I might I might want a root beer float, but definitely not very often. Uh, number five, they were duped by hoaxsters once. Moore and Cosgrove, Cosgrove wrote, quote, Our researchers did a great job vetting stories to weed out the ones that seemed suspicious, but that didn't mean their process was foolproof. At least one fake story made it past them. Quote, We did a UFO story in which 30 people did drawings that looked like the same UFO, and it was a very convincing argument they made, end quote. Moore and Cosgrove revealed, Months later, we found out that one of the key proponents had made a model of the UFO and ph- photographed it against a highway. All, those fo- all these people were fooled by it, and so were we. So that, and we were thinking that was the Gulf Breeze UFO, right?
1: That's definitely, that's definitely what it is. It's the Gulf Breeze UFO segment. One of, if not the first ever UFO segment that was uh, featured on the show. Um, It was from season one and it aired, I think, once and hasn't really aired again. I don't know why. I think, I honestly, from what I've seen from this, uh, a recording I found that looks like it was recorded with a fucking potato. Um, the quality is so bad. <laughs> so that makes, It actually so that makes does sense seem wh- like a really interesting segment that I would love to see in better quality because it's really hard to watch this segment and really get an actual opinion on it because it's so blurry and pixelated and the the picture quality is so terrible so it would be nice to see a better quality version of it and if it's one of those things where they're just ashamed what why i mean you did you've you've you uh did the gold woman thing where you you know revealed that she was full of shit that she was it was a hoax
0: I think when it comes to UFOs, you could do the same if it thing. was a hoax, then then honestly, I wouldn't be interested in seeing it. And now that well, makes I mean, sense. For this
1: one, though, it actually, from what I flipped through with this segment, I think you would be interested in seeing it because I actually try to recreate it and everything and try to show how this person might have faked it and all of that. And I think that's really fascinating. That's really interesting yeah see I
0: don't care, I don't care if women that I'm with fake orgasms. I only care if people fake UFO sightings. What? You faked it the whole time. there was no ship and the pictures aren't real. You bastard, get out of my house. <sighs> oh, by the way, Josh, I faked all those UFO sightings. You bitch.
1: <laughs> anyway, let's
0: move on here.
1: The uh, next I'm- question is one that is just absolutely insane. Someone sent their mother's lung to the producers. Jesus Christ. When one Redditor asked for any funny stories or what-the-fuck moments while working on the show, Moore and Cosgrove came back with a whopper. Someone sent their mother's lung to us in the mail. He believed his mother had been murdered, and he wanted us to send the lung out for testing. On the lighter side, one of our directors is absolutely convinced that they were being haunted during the filming of one of the stories well yeah we kind of already I don't know how that's really a, a lighter the lighter side well, on the lighter side of things one of our directors was convinced he was being haunted now if this is a regular guy he probably would not really benefit from making up a story of being haunted on the set so that might have actually happened and he was terrified yeah that's so it's such a light side of the story man that's so funny Oh, you, oh, oh my god. I th- I think I think this set I think the it, it really is haunted. I, I, I swear to god. I, I'm feeling cold spots. I think something's poking me. Uh I I, I think something might have scratched me earlier. Oh, whatever. <laughs> That's so funny. I think, yeah. I think they were just
0: being cheeky in that moment, honestly. I yeah. Think. Any, anyway, uh, moving on to category number or Question number 7 here uh, Fugitive from one of the cases Was on set for filming When asked about, quote, the creepiest thing That ever happened to you over the course of Filming a segment, end quote Moran Croscove responded with a story That was send chills down your spine uh, There was a case where the wanted Fugitive was on the set while we were filming The reenactment and no one knew initially No one on the crew had seen His photograph yet That's fucking weird yeah, it's the '90s for you, man. That kind of stuff
1: was happened. I, I think years. didn't didn't uh, the our DP that we interviewed the D not our DP the DP that we interviewed didn't he have a similar sort of story, kind of like that?
0: I don't remember, but he he definitely was talking about um like parent kind of paranormal kind of things that had happened to him.
1: See, well, that- he would, no, he was talking about the whole thing about the guy the he was shooting a segment. And it was about, like, a murder segment, and he thought the killer was there. And I think, and I think later it might have been the same guy who actually did it. Did it. Um, but anyway, the next question is, sometimes law enforcement asked them to omit details from the segments. I mean,
0: this, this is really, honestly, no fucking surprise whatsoever. Exactly. I, I didn't even need to, like, that question didn't no. you need to be asked, but anyway. No.
1: Featuring active investigations on the show sometimes meant that Moore and Cosgrove couldn't reveal any everything that they knew. Law enforcement would often ask us to hold back clues in a case that they could use to help identify suspect's innocence or guilt. And sometimes in interviews, Warren Cosgrove could tell who was lying. We can't name names, but there were often prime suspects that we interviewed whose interview was in direct contradiction with what the witnesses and law enforcement were saying. In many cases, the people we interviewed were later convicted. We
0: got one of those stories in the podcast today, as a matter of
1: fact. Anyway. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um... Yeah, no shit, you know, like, of course that they would do that. Any any show that deals with this would do that. Like, for instance, that old fart that frauded out all the old ladies in Florida. Uh, during the segment, They held they, they withheld the detail that this guy also practiced magic. He was a magician, and that was a detail that only law enforcement knew. So when the caller called in... Uh, he mentioned something about, oh, yeah, this guy does magic or whatever, and that's how they knew that the guy was legit. They do that. This is that's a very basic uh, investigative uh, tool mm-hmm. that's utilized. Number nine selling the show to Spike TV meant making some stylistic changes. <laughs> Ooh, this, this gets into the Farina shit. This is my interest is peaked. More and Cosgrove rebooted Unsolved Mysteries with host Dennis Farina in 2008. Don't remind me. The pair explained that because Spike appealed to a younger male audience, the network (laughs) requested a version of the show that might better suit their audience. There was an effort made to try to update the show with more contemporary elements. That meant new music and high-tech elements like shots of Google Earth. Quote, we were glad to have the opportunity to update the show, end quote, they wrote. It was sad that Bob had died, but we felt that Dennis would be a good choice. He was a wonderful man to work with. See, this is typical John and Terry just being very vanilla and diplomatic, and they're playing the whole Hollywood game where they can't go right out and say, it was shit, we didn't like it, but we had to do it because we were trying to get the show back on the air. I mean, making the changes, good luck. Lo- if, you, if you're if you able to f- see any of Dennis Farina Unsolved revamps, I mean, it's it's awful. The, the, the music... And it's funny they say you had to appeal to a younger male audience, which is true. I did a whole video about that and I hit I hit the nail on the head on all these points before any of this ever came up. I mean you had fucking rock guitar in the background it was like and to you know and like the the stupid graphics that they put on the screen that were unneeded and and they just dumbed it down. Because I guess they the think... The music stings? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I, you know, music stings in and of themselves aren't a horrible thing, but God, how they used them were so corny. I guess they just assumed that the intelligence of young males is just very low. So, but then again, Spike TV was just I think it was smut, a mistake anyway. at
1: the time that Spike, they put it on Spike at that particular uh, part of Spike's uh, history. That was early in Spike's uh, uh, lifespan. And Spike was known for shows like Mansers and all that kind of oh my stuff. Oh
0: god, I forgot about that.
1: And oh, you know, it was just one of those it was just weird to see Unsolved Mysteries on that. And like, oh, a younger male audience. Really? Did that audience even exist to begin with? I mean, I yeah, I grew up watching Unsolved Mysteries, but I didn't want to see it like specifically tailored toward uh, you know, my teenage well actually, you know, I had better taste than that. To be perfectly honest. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when I was a teenager. And then they
0: said uh, <laughs> about Dennis Farina, they said he was a wonderful man to work with. Okay, that's like saying, Josh, Josh was a good employee. He always showed up to work on time. You know, like they're not actually saying anything specifically. Yeah, good about I mean, what he did. They just said, yeah, that, he was good that, to work with.
1: I mean, that was nice though. I mean, it was nice of them, and I would not be surprised if they legitimately. He was a horrible host. Feel- if they legitimately do feel that the show was good, I would not be surprised at all.
0: There's no way that there, – there's no way that th- – this is – you know, this show is obviously very near and dear to them. There's no it, way they it, think that was good. I, I it. <laughs> there's just no way.
1: I don't know. I don't know them personally. Anyway,
0: so. number ten.
1: They became close with the people featured on the show. It might seem strange that family members would participate in TV segments about crimes involving their loved ones, but Moyer and Cosgrove pointed out that when family members participated, it was a cathartic experience for them, and they felt good about doing something active to help solve the case. That was reason enough. We got to know the people very well when we did their cases, and we became attached to them. The duo reached out to those featured on the show to update their cases, but that's not where the contract where the contact ends contract. Yeah, that's
0: more accurate.
1: <laughs> I, I still get a Christmas card from a woman in England who had given up her baby for adoption. And Unsaw Mysteries helped reunite her with her daughter. Well that's sweet.
0: Yeah, that's cool. You know, I think that's you know, that's that shows that maybe they have a heart. Um I I'm just kidding. I just it's become a meme at this point for me to take the piss out of these people, so I just can't stop now. Why um, do you have to be so heartless? <laughs> <laughs> Number 11, for legal reasons, some segments have been removed from the seasons that are streaming. Oh, this is something we've, been, we've already tapped on here previously. We have a legal staff that keeps track of the cases to make sure that we do not infringe on anyone's rights, Moyer and Cosgrove explained. Sometimes a statute of limitations on a case has passed. We always try to be respectful as we can to the people who are featured in the segments.
1: Uh, okay, there's a certain... I understand that to a certain point to to uh, when it comes to this kind of thing. But there are exceptions, like the Underground Tunnel Robbers segment. That was on Amazon Prime. The statute of limitations has expired on that case. There's been other cases where the statute of limitations has expired that have been on Amazon Prime.
0: I don't get what difference it makes if the statute of limitations is expired. Like, why can't they so, still air it?
1: I, I I think there might be some legal thing, maybe, but I think the main thing, while certain Kate, ca- well, why certain cases are not on Amazon Prime is legal reasons, not statute, not not just related to statute of limitations expiring. It's the people who were featured in the segment. They sued John and Terry or Unsolved Mysteries, and there are certain segments actually that will never air again because of that. So, but for some reason, they do not want to talk about that. They don't want to be honest and say, well, this is another reason why some people weren't happy with how they were portrayed in the show or they didn't want their cases. They didn't want like one of the first ever Lost Love segments was this man who. Had Apparently, I think he had the kid out of wedlock, and at that time, that was really a bad thing, and that was something that would really hurt his image, and he didn't like that, so he basically sued, and that segment really hasn't aired uh, since the first broadcast.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess when you're dealing with people's lives and potential slander and libel and, you know, whatever, um, I I guess
1: some of it, though, is people who I think are uh, guilty of sin, but uh, somehow got away with everything and just don't want (laughs) the show to to keep streaming episodes uh, and segments uh, that really uh, make people remember about the case.
0: And then lastly, they're actively trying to get unsolved mysteries back on the air, oh buddy. Uh, we are in the process of reaching out to networks to see if there is interest in ordering new shows more Cosgrove wrote. Let's keep our fingers crossed.
1: I mean, I don't know. I mean, Rob Lowe has his own is getting his own show with his son trying to solve unsolved mysteries and there's all these different networks and stuff for it, but that's another one of the, that's also one of the biggest issues is getting the show back on the air. Like, what makes it unique anymore? Right. I I, I mean, with all the stuff that's on Investigation Discovery and all these other channels, what really is going to make Unsolved Mysteries unique again? Now, a show like Sightings, I think you could bring back and it could still be fairly unique.
0: All right, guys, here's the portion of the podcast where you take your shot where Mike mentions Sightings. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I, I. it's it's If they brought it back, it would be Unsolved Mysteries in name only because all the intangibles I talked about, about why I love the show personally, the music, the uh, nostalgic feel, the 90s aesthetic. The host. The the host. Um, it, all that would be gone. You know, because there's no way that... If, if they brought it back proper, I think the only way they could pull it off is to do it exclusively on either YouTube, Amazon, YouTube or, or Amazon, somewhere where they have a lot more creative control. Um, now, after reading all this stuff, I think the more interesting answers I got about the show came from the actual people on the show that I was able to talk to on this podcast, yeah. like Don Devereaux. Don Devereux yeah. was telling me some very interesting stuff about how when they moved to CBS, how You know, they want to skew to a younger audience, so the cases that they started taking were specifically from younger victims, and the perpetrators were younger, and they stopped, Mm -hmm. like, you know, taking on, like, having older people on the show, and they want to make it more hip. They didn't go as far as to do what Spike TV did, but uh, there was a lot of interesting insight that Don Devereaux... You should really... You guys should really go back and listen to that one. I think it was episode, like... 20 something or 19 or something and then Mm -hmm. you should also go and um listen to the uh the uh interview we did with um kevin o'brien the uh director of uh photography um those Mm -hmm. are two people from the actual show that are on this podcast so uh i think that holds a little bit more water like what we got from them than what you would have gotten from this ama yeah there's some interesting little tidbits But, you know, they got to be all Hollywood about everything. They got to be very, you know, cloak and dagger about all the uh, answers that they give out. And they got to be careful. So,
1: yeah, I also heard from a fan. They did some research. They found out that the CBS version Unsolved Mysteries was actually doing really well ratings wise, but it was still canceled, which is really interesting. That happened. I wonder why that happened.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um so that was that. I mean, what whatever whatever that means to anybody, that was the Ask Me Anything. I mean,
1: there might have been other questions that were interesting, but the mental floss article did not pick them out. So maybe we might find a transcript later, and if there's anything extra from the AMA, you know, we might share that with you guys.
0: I just don't think it would be a whole lot of new information, personally. I just think. It well, would- yeah,
1: kind of like that interview that we cover. I covered on the bonus segment uh a bonus uh, bit of on the podcast on on our patreon you know the interview with uh john cosgrove it was a lot of yeah okay uh (laughs) uh-huh i kind of already knew all this already
0: all right so which is
1: disappointing to be perfectly honest
0: yeah it's whatever um i'm tired of talking about john cosgrove still have uh, bitter feelings anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway let's get into our first case here this is a case of uh monica rizzo which started out uh so i got an extra little bonus thing i tagged on here because uh, i actually have this uh this was on the ultimate collection um box set this was under the bizarre murders so there was actually this was one of the few segments that actually had an audio commentary from director Mike Mathis and John Cosgrove himself. So uh, I have some notes tagged at the end from because I went back and I listened to the commentary as well and wrote down some things they had to say. Uh, this actually started out as a missing persons case originally on Unsolved Mysteries, um, but has since been changed to a, a homicide. Um, so yeah, on when it originally aired, it was missing persons because they didn't know what happened to this woman. On June 5th, 1997, San Antonio, Texas, a guy calls a police detective and tells him that Leonard Rizzo murdered his wife, Monica Rizzo. But uh, how, and it's the reenactment, but how the guy does the reenactment, how the caller is talking, he's so, like, just blase and, um, like, just nonchalant about how he's delivering the line. He's like, um he's like... uh Leonard Rizzo murdered his wife Monica Rizzo. You can find her bones in the backyard, and then he just like hangs up the phone. It sounded like a gruesome prank, but the police in San Antonio, okay, Texas. Hey, butthead. <laughs> no, that wasn't butthead. That was that was a more laid back. If it was butthead, it'd be like Leonard Rizzo murdered his wife Monica Rizzo. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> you can find her bones in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Shut up, Bevel. <Beavos. laughs> Uh, sounded, sounded like a gruesome prank, but the police in San Antonio, Texas wasted no time checking it out. They wanted to question Leonard Rizzo, but that would have to wait, because at that very moment that they arrived, Leonard Rizzo was having a seizure. They expected drug overdose, but later they learned that he'd been having those types of seizures lately. Police questioned Leonard's adult son, who was upstairs at the time, um, that Leonard was having a seizure they asked him if they had seen if he had seen his mother recently to which he had replied he had not then they asked if they could search the house in which the son gave them permission because uh, I'm guessing the son isn't thinking that his mom's dead so he's like yeah go you know, search the house and I certainly don't think my dad did it police found Monica's clothes and her car parked in the driveway nothing seemed to be missing except Monica next the backyard police did find bones but they seemed to belong to some kind of animal the caller appeared to be wrong there was no sign of a body no evidence of a murder where was monica rizzo the mystery began for her co-workers one month earlier on may 5th 1997. that day monica left her office appearing to go to lunch she didn't even take her purse however after eight days of repeated phone calls her boss finally reached monica at home she told her boss that she had not been feeling well and that she'd be out of work until the 19th. But the 19th came and went. Monica never returned to work. Now, I don't know what kind of job Monica Rizzo had to where she could just leave work for, like, two weeks and the boss would just be, like, cool with it. Uh, but if I left my old job at CVS and just called the manager and was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not coming in for, like, the next two weeks, the manager would be like, oh, no problem, you're fired. exactly i mean i don't know anyway leonard rizzo claims a few days later he woke up one day and she was gone he never reported it to the police quoting leonard here
1: that's extremely suspicious right from the beginning oh your wife goes missing and you don't report it to the police i mean i understand yeah okay it's one of those things where okay it's it's been like a day all right but you haven't heard anything from her. I mean, like, that's just kind of a phone call, not anything. No contact. That just goes to show you that there must
0: have been some kind of a problem in their uh relationship to where if she just leaves, he's like, "Fine, fuck it." You know, like, I don't care. But yeah. according to Leonard Rizzo, he says, well, "I was really confused. It made no sense." My wife and I were very close. There's no reason to believe that she'd be going away and she wouldn't come back. So I chose to wait. So uh, Leonard Rizzo is kind of a combo between Mike Morris and some other greasy motherfucker. I can only do so many voices, people. So it goes back to the reenactment again. The phone rings and he goes, is this the San Antonio police? Which is kind of dumb because it's like you just called them the number dumbass. Like, how do you not know that? So he goes on to say, I reported that Monica Rizzo had been murdered a few weeks ago. You need to go back and search their house again. Leonard Rizzo killed his wife. The bones were in the backyard. They're under a pile of tires by the fence. They're under those tires. So this time, they did find bones. They even found a bag full of what appeared to be human flesh. Gross! Leonard (laughs) Leonard Rizzo had some explaining to do. Then it goes back to Leonard. Uh, Lucy,
1: you have some explaining to do. Leonard, you have some explaining to do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Leonard goes, the bones they found in my backyard are an absolute mystery to me. As big of a mystery as my wife's disappearance. To me, there's no question that that someone is trying to draw attention from themselves and, and do this to me. So inside the house, police found potential evidence of a violent struggle. Several patterns of bashed and blood-spattered drywall were all over the place. And it goes back to Leonard's response, saying, Basically, I got very upset and decided to beat up the house a little. The house (laughs) won. I got the worst Uh, end of it.
1: Uh, um, uh... (laughs) uh, Bull, 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 bullshit!
0: (laughs) God... Was was he listening to fucking Papa Roach at the time?
1: Cut my life into pieces.
0: Just like fucking, fucking wall. I don't know, that was way before that album came out. Anyway, uh, detectives also learned that Monica's co-workers had been so worried about her that they had an officer come out and check on her. The officer had reason to be concerned. When Monica answered the door, she had bruising on her face but told the officer that she was okay and that her husband was sick and needed to be taken care of, and she then closed the door, um, and then back to old fucknuts here, there was no domestic abuse, me and my wife were, are deeply in love, we've been married 26, going on 27 years, that's a long time for me to kill, I'm just, just joking, that's not what he said, um, Two weeks after the second anonymous call, the DNA test came back from the bones in the backyard. As expected, the results were human, but they were not those of Monica Rizzo. Now we've got Monica Rizzo missing, bones of an un human being, so police probed a little deeper. They brought an archaeologist from the University of Texas to excavate. Excavate, whatever the fuck. Anytime they would find a bone fragment, they would put an orange pin flag down. Before they were done, the yard was dotted with dozens of pin flags. Dr. Robert J. Hard, <laughs> Hard, archaeologist from the University of Texas, took part in this excavation and explained, When you find the bone at an old archaeological site, the bone is very dry. This bone that we found in the backyard still had a greasy feel to it, so we knew it had not been there very long, but at the same time, it had been there for a week or a couple of weeks as there was no soft tissue attached to the bone fragments, there were bones everywhere, even in the barbecue grill. The archaeologists sh- sifted through the ashes and found more bones, all from human hands. And this is the most brutal, one of the most brutal Robert Stack lines of unsolved mysteries. No one is sure how many hands. <laughs> 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 like the archaeologist I'm just gonna read that line again the archaeologist sifted through the ashes and found more bones all from human hands no one is sure how many hands over eight days uh, the, Dr. Hard and his team collected over 200 bone fragments the bone fragments had been cut into three inch pieces or less quote uh, from Dr. Hard here we felt it was some kind of machine some kind of chip or shredder has been discussed It's the only machine we could come up with that could account for this type of breaking. You wouldn't get it with a saw, a knife, a lawnmower. We can't think of anything else that could cut the bone like this. Once again, police had questions for Leonard Rizzo. Uh, I've never even operated a wood chipper. Uh, I've never even rented anything in a rental store. Maybe a car dolly or trailer. No, I, I do not, did not operate a wood chipper. Never have liar first of all you've rented shit from stores i mean
1: oh oh yeah i mean uh, but also i I don't even necessarily know if it was a wood chipper it sounds more like something from a garbage disposal
0: oh yeah that's true that's true that's that the way
1: it sounds like the way that things are uh broken and and cut up um
0: but then how would you like I mean, it would be a real bitch trying to collect all those bones. Yeah,
1: see, that's what's crazy about this. It's like, not only is it insane that there's one, you know, pile of bones in his backyard, (laughs) there's all these other different bones in his backyard, and then you're like, how the hell did these bones get there? Uh, Like, and then his theory of, I didn't do anything. I I have nothing to do with it. It's a mystery to me. How these bones got in my backyard? Bullshit! Come, it's your backyard. What am I supposed to believe that some random serial killer is choosing your backyard to dispose of his victims? Right, and like, in how long did they,
0: in like, how long did they live in this house? And they're saying the bones still had a greasy feel to them. So it's not like you can blame it on the fact that they were there before I moved in. It's like, nope, sorry, a little too, a little too much grease on them bones. That and do- then the
1: whole thing where put, they're in the grill? Like, what is... This? like what? Are
0: we living at fucking Hannibal Lecter's crib or some shit? Like, just chilling with him before he moved in there or something? Or Are wild? you friends
1: with Leatherface? <laughs> Jeez.
0: So, new DNA tests indicated that the bone fragments found by archaeologists were also human. But there was another surprise. The bone fragments from the backyard belonged to at least three different people. Also surprisingly, Monica Rizzo was not one of them Monica is still viewed as a missing person police don't know who the people are or how they ended up in in Leonard's backyard I did not kill those people whose bones were found in my backyard those bone fragments and such I I don't know where they came from and I admittedly did not kill them additional DNA tests did not conclude or they did conclude that some of the bone fragments were that of Monica Rizzo and four other people that was kind of the footnote to the whole thing and that that caps the episode but then what we have there's
1: there's a little bit of an update though yeah uh, the case is still technically unresolved but uh, the remains were later identified to all be Monica's but there have been no arrests in this case subsequently in May of 1999 Leonard was charged with unre- with an unrelated assault and drug possession charges after being recent after recently abusing his current girlfriend Authorities believe that Leonard was responsible for Monica's death, but still do not have enough evidence to file charges. He went to prison for two years for that. I think he's he might be out.
0: Yeah, so I have additional notes from the commentary on this from John Cosgrove and Mike Mathis. Um, they're just saying uh, they're the commentary starts off in... They're both saying, this is one of the most gruesome stories, this is a a box set of bizarre murders, because this was on the box set, and this has to be one of the top five most bizarre murders, John was saying. Um, The suspect in the murder case allows himself to be interviewed, and we ask ourselves the question, do we believe him? Because that's not common for the suspect to to allow himself to be interviewed. Um, Mike Mathis was saying there was a lot of back and forth with his attorney before we did the interview, before they finally let us do it, and it was done in his house, and you could see the house had been torn apart. They had cut holes all in the wall, uh, which made it tricky to find a place to even film him. Um, did Did his attorney stay in the room? John asked Mike. Mike said, oh yeah, he was very concerned with the questions being asked. They had changed the DNA results since the segment and identified all of the bones in the backyard as Monica, according to John Cosgrove. Uh, That's probably where they got this extra info. Um, Mm -hmm. This started out as a missing persons case on the show originally. Now it's a homicide. Um, And then they're saying how Leonard started accusing his girlfriend that he got with after Monica. He started accusing her of having sex with Monica and that he and that she knew what happened to Monica. And um, they were doing amphetamines, and um, then that's when uh, he assaulted her. The cops were called. Leonard ended up getting shot in the gut. Um, For that whole incident, he's serving an 11-year sentence. Uh, The family is struggling to get closure and are convinced that Leonard was the guy and that the bones were sent back to him instead of the family. And then uh, they learned that he was already in prison on another assault charge, which is why I just mentioned. Uh, but he was allowed to go to the funeral, according to John Cosgrove here, and he went to the funeral in his orange jumpsuit right there with the parents. Wow! And you really feel for the parents in that situation. And uh, it's unique to find a suspect a suspect in a case who would sit down and do an interview. You don't know if it was a sign of innocence or hubris, but it's chilling because you're sitting down talking to this person who's been accused of this crime. So that was the extra notes I had on that.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, the, if you think about it, I mean, I honestly think he's guilty. I mean, the evidence is right there. Uh, she was abused. Monica was abused. Her uh, there, were, there were parts in the segment where a friend of hers was talking about how she saw her with a black eye. Cops were called uh and she said none, you know the t- the sort of thing that you see a lot in these kind of abuse cases sadly oh it was nothing I, I i just accidentally gave myself a black eye and the officer's like are you sure are you all right and yeah i'm okay and that's it um i it's just just how everything i mean the bones are in the backyard. How, how would you not know that there are bones in your backyard? <laughs> I, I mean, if it's not one of those cases that they, they were there before he moved in. I mean, okay, the and yard... And the whole stuff with the, the blood on the walls, his excuse was so far-fetched and bullshit that it automatically made me question him from the moment he said it.
0: The yard I can understand, but the barbecue grill is what really set it off for me because it's like, yeah. come on now. You had to have used that damn barbecue grill. And, cl- and you- well, Even
1: though no, the yard set it off for me, too. It's behind some tires. Like, really? And they're all piled up in a pile behind some tires in your backyard. yeah Yeah, I
0: mean it's all pretty shitty but the barbecue was just blatantly obvious like I mean that's like right by the house you know he used it you gotta change out the coals whenever you're gonna grill again and and you're telling me Uh you didn't see those fucking but then again you gotta argue well well, would he be that dumb to keep that in plain sight And, and I mean, you know, there's a reason why. That's
1: the thing. He's not that smart. And it's crazy to me how he's gotten away with it because there's just evidence strewn all over his backyard. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, yeah, I I think in our opinion, it's pretty obvious that that he was a perpetrator of this. Um, I mean,
1: who else has a motive? I mean, who, who, who else is there? I mean, maybe I don't believe that it's some mysterious killer who killed his wife. And then buried her in his backyard. I, I think that is extremely absurd. Well, I think in police ridiculous.
0: investigation, that I think the line is the most obvious choice is usually the right one or something like that, something along those lines. But yeah, well, that's this case. Uh, let's move on to the uh, the hidden treasures case here. Yes, sir, Bob, We got us uh, some. Uh, so this is this is the uh, treasure from the old west back in the eighteen hundred days, and uh, you know we don't have. Uh, the fancy unsolved mysteries music, but I I can just do some makeshift uh slide guitar here, just setting the tone. Is this doing anything for anybody? Do you feel like you're in the old west yet? Kinda sounds Hawaiian, doesn't it? Sounds like SpongeBob <laughs> shit. Okay, yeah, that, that failed miserably. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, anyway, this segment was called Plumber's Booty. <laughs> Plumber's Booty. Um, on the Ultimate Collection under the, um, I believe it's on the Treasures. Um, it's DVD. on the
1: bonus disc, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I like this one. thought this was interesting. Uh, the corruption that went on. Back in those days. The 1800s must have been an interesting time to be alive. I wouldn't like to be in that time for very long, but I'd like to spend, like, I don't know, a few days in that time period with all the uh, gold fever and all that kind of stuff. So, let's just get to it. Our next story is about some legendary treasure. Buried, we believe, in the hills of Montana. Uh, 154 years ago, a crooked sheriff and his cohorts went to the gallows, refusing to let go of their secret of where they kept their booty. (sighs) Uh, To this day, the tantalizing thought of buried gold still attracts prospectors. It all began in 1863 in what proved to be the bloodiest time in Montana history. And probably the most interesting time in Montana history, because I don't really think much is going on in Montana since then. Uh, Ooh, just uh, offended a whole state. If you're from Montana, let us know. You can tell me fuck you in the group if you want to. Um The Montana Territory, 26 years before Montana would be admitted to the Union, when gold was discovered in an area known as Alder Gulch, hundreds of prospectors showed up, each trying to claim his share of the spoilers. Spoils. Spoilers. Spoils. The Spurs? The basketball team? Anyway, um, historian, this guy's got a great name. Historian Dick Pace. My name's Dick Pace, and I like my hot sauce hot. Hotter than a pig's asshole. Anyway, uh, anything, Mike?
1: You alive over there? I don't have anything to offer. I'm just letting you... letting you, uh...
0: You're you just sitting back in your fucking chair over there. So, uh, yeah,
1: I'm just letting him uh, finish his sentences and stuff.
0: Historian Dick Pace said, News of gold back in those days spread fast and spread wide. Riches were being made and people wanted to get in on them. That's why there was such a large gang of outlaws around every camp. Spring of 1863, the prospectors were nearly wiped out by a brazen group of outlaws known as the Road Agent Gang. The Road Agents reportedly stole more than a a thousand pounds of gold, coins, and nuggets. The Road Agents were secretly led by a man named Henry Plummer, who amazingly had another identity as sheriff of the gold-boom town of Bannock, Montana, the people had no idea he had just been released from prison four years previously from a newly constructed prison, San Quentin. Henry Plumber was a very pleasant-looking individual. Now, wait a second. Why are you commenting on the guy's looks? I don't understand that. Dick Pace might be into guys. Henry Pl- Plumber hey, was a his very his name is Dick. That's true. Maybe he likes Dick. He likes to pace himself for all the Dick. That he hopes to sometime, someday get. Now that was that was lowbrow. I normally enjoy this podcast, and then the host has to say something dirty like that. Anyway, Henry Plummer was a very pleasant looking man. He was the only man in Bannock, practically, that always tipped his hat to a lady when he saw her on the street. He was a consummate con man, so he was able to con people into him being the sheriff. And, of course, he knew that him being the sheriff would give him a perfect cover for whatever he wanted to do in the illegal line. Plumbers targets a choice where miners trying to transport their gold to a major railhead. Um, these are some great reenactments here. Uh, this is on season two on Amazon Prime, so you can go and watch this for yourself. I think it's episode 11 or so. But yeah, great reenactments. um, The horses, the old period style guns, uh, the clothes—it was great. I mean, this was, this just showed you the uh, broad scale of the show at that time. Um, During a four-month period in 1863, it is estimated that the road agents and Henry Plummer stole more than 120, or actually killed more than 120 miners, and at the same time stealing gold that would today be worth more than $6 million. Now, of course, this segment aired in the 90s, so today, today, as in 2017, probably worth more around the longs of uh, $8 million, I would say, just rough estimate. Um, the townspeople had no idea that their chief law enforcement officer was the ringleader of the road agents. For six months, his identity remained hidden. That was until December of 1863, An incident in Bannock put a crack in Plummer's delicate facade. A well-liked 19-year-old was brutally murdered by the road agents, and his body was horsed into town where everyone could see. That was enough for the townspeople. They formed a vigilante group and rounded up the road agents one by one, dispensing rough justice and makeshift trials. Finally, a man by the name of Red Yeager, apprehended by the vigilantes, Uh, dropped a bombshell, naming Henry Plummer as the gang's ringleader. Yeager's the one that spilled the beans, but of course, when a man's facing a noose, he has second thoughts about a lot of things. According to one account, he said, Looks like you're going to hang me, boys. But if you do, I know a lot of others that deserve it just as much as I do. Henry Plummer's the one you want. He's the one behind all of this. And it was that first firm indication that Henry Plummer was the leader of the gang. The vigilantes went to Plummer's house and then drug him out. And then, I don't know why, but I just really like how the guy who played Henry Plummer, uh, they're like, Red Jaeger said you were the one. And he go and he says, Red Jaeger's a liar. I just like that, <laughs> <line>. <laughs> like that line for some reason. Red Jaeger's a liar, son of a bitch. Um, Plummer was not given a full scale trial because they had Red Jaeger's confession. So they didn't waste any time. On January 1984, only seven months after the road agent's reign of terror, Henry Plummer was marched to a scaffold he himself helped build as a sheriff. Before they could hang him, Plummer made an unusual request. He said, I know I've deceived you boys, and I'm sorry for that, but give me two hours and a horse, and I'll bring back my weight in gold. Then the guy hanging him said, We made that mistake once. We're going to hang you. Then they spanked the horse's ass, and the horse ran out from under him, and he was hung. <laughs> and it's funny in the reenactment when they the they do like a, a a wide far away shot of him hanging, and all you hear in the background in the audio is some girl just going "oh." <laughs> I Just thought it was funny.
1: <laughs> some rant. so yeah, they they hanged Plummer until he was dead, dead, dead. And I'm pretty sure they wished that he. Went to hell, hell, hell.
0: Now, what movie is that from, Mike? Because I know it's from, it's from some Young movie. Guns too. All right, another one that I haven't seen. Have um, you seen the first
1: Young Guns? That's no. a fun one.
0: No, I have not. Uh, Henry Plummer was hanged before he was able to divulge where the gold was hidden, only leaving obscure hints of where the gold was buried. Immediately after Plummer died, a new kind of gold fever hit. Instead of people looking for gold nuggets, they started looking for plumbers' hidden treasure. In the early 1900s, two mysterious gold hunters found something. Historian Jim Edwards recounts, One day they came into the town of Annis. They went into a local store that had a vault and asked if they could leave this box in there all night. And one man stayed there the whole night riding shotgun on the vault. Then the next day they disappeared. I don't know if it's plumbers' gold, but they had dug up something. M. Scott Jones and Bill Trapp, claim, who are modern day, still trying to hunt for uh, Plummer's treasure, they're saying that it's still out there and that Henry Plummer would not have hid all of his treasure in one spot. They still search for it. Well, maybe not this day, but back in the 90s, they were searching for it. I mean, they're probably all dead now. Because as we know, everybody who was on unsolved Mysteries is now dead. Um, apparently. In 1954, the historical town of Bannock was placed under the protection of uh, Montana's Department of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. That means anyone without a special permit is barred from digging on the state-controlled land. But since no one knows exactly where Henry Plummer might have hidden his gold, 154 years later, the search goes on. How much gold and other va- valuable treasures are buried out there? You know, that's what I think about. Um I mean, just in the United States alone. I mean, that's not even counting the oceans. Like, just, like, all, like, from the that time period, you know? Like, because we, we already covered the Lost Dutchman's Mine. I believe it was a bonus segment or something. But, like, that stuff always, like, fascinates me, you know? Like, it's just out, it's in the earth, you know? If you could, like, take some kind of an X-ray gun and just like, you know, see where this gold is at, you know, I I bet there's just so much out there still that's just waiting to be stumbled upon. But probably never will. Yeah,
1: it probably never will be because the maps and things like that that might have existed for where where the gold or the treasure is located doesn't exist anymore. And also, you have the whole thing where it might be an area that you can't get to anymore or it's an area that you're not allowed to dig.
0: Yeah, that's so, a big problem. Is the uh, ju- you know the uh, jurisdictions and the red tape and the permits and all that shit?
1: Yeah, this was an interesting case. This is a this was a fun treasure uh, case. Um, I, I remember liking this one too because of they did a great job with reenactment, and also it is one of those that is crazy. It's like this sheriff who was he was a uh, good guy, but then. Not really. So he was a sheriff, but he was also an outlaw. And he wasn't going undercover either. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: Sorry, I was just trying (laughs) to provide some old-timey background music there for you. no, I like this story because of the uh, the corruption. You know how how he was sheriff, but he was also doing all this like you know covert illegal stuff. It's almost like a small microcosm of of how it is today in in you know government office. How people are doing things. Uh, they have these like very high positions in politics, and it's just an affront to, um, or it's just a front to like all the illegal shit that they're they're able to get accomplished as well all under the guise of being uh, holding this high position in office. So it, it's it just goes to show you, you know, money kind of... or the love of money is the root of all evil,
1: you know. Well, power also. Yeah, power. You know, nice. uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And he definitely had absolute power. He was a sheriff. I mean, a sheriff in that time period had a lot of prestige and a lot of power. And in a lot of ways... Was essentially kind of the next in line after the mayor. And he was also an outlaw who he was a leader of this notorious gang of road agents who killed more than 120 people who were miners and stole all this gold. So I think back then it was easier for people to dispense urban justice so to speak on someone like him but nowadays he'd probably get away with it he probably may made me be like bernie madoff at, at best uh, i can't get over but, that know. guy's last name bernie madoff yeah
0: <laughs> he made off with everyone's money all right let's go to our final segment and that is uh noah's ark um i'm glad we're finally covering this one this is from the oh, ultimate it's collection it's a
1: very famous fable you know when i look at this is just my personal perspective on the bible i look at it as a similar tome as aesop's fables things like that where it's has these stories and elements about it that are there to try to give some people who don't necessarily have rules about how life is supposed to be about how you treat other people and, and a moral compass a moral compass. It helps them have a moral compass that they might not have, uh, inherently. And I, I don't want people to take this the wrong way. Uh, I, I may not be super big on religion, but I respect it and I appreciate it. And if you believe in, in God or in the Bible, I have no problem with it. That's more power to you. Um, I don't believe that everything in the Bible is 100% fact, though. And Noah's Ark is definitely one of them. I feel that Noah's Ark is actually based on a much older legend that had been told by different civilizations long before it was written about in the Bible.
0: Well, I mean, we know we know factually that's that's correct. I mean, that yeah. the Noah's Ark or, or the the Great Flood, I should say, not Noah's Ark. The Great Flood um, is is one of the most common stories in all religions out there, um, besides perhaps some kind of a coming of uh, you know a deity like Christ or something like that. Some people say it was um, you know Muhammad. Oh God, I'm getting into. Dangerous territory where I really don't know much of what I'm talking about. But I do know that the flood is is uh, very common in a lot of these old, um, th- even in ancient, uh, like Asian religions and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, so yeah, it's it's the fact that the Bible, uh, it, it appears to be in the Bible, is just one of the many iterations that kind of fits in conveniently with uh, that particular line of religion, which would be Christianity. The uh, Great Flood, you know, they kind of usurped it into their, you know, their kind of story, their overall story.
1: I think there were other stories, too, in the Bible that were of similar origin as well. And it makes sense. I mean, this is the thing about the time period. You know, there were probably a lot of stories that were shared by a lot of people around the time of Christ. Um and one of them probably was the ancient Babylonian myth uh, or, or fable uh, of uh, the Great Flood. So – but it's still interesting. I mean there was a Indiana Jones tie-in book I remember reading called Indiana Jones and the Genesis Deluge. And it was all about Indiana Jones finding Noah's Ark. And uh, this has always been a segment that I remember because I, I think I saw it on Lifetime when it was had a rerun, and I do remember seeing it elsewhere in other places. And it was one of the few segments that was on YouTube.
0: Yeah, that's something I wanted to. I, I made a note of saying too. This is one of the few segments, and I don't know if it's still on there.
1: I think it is.
0: That you can go and watch the full segment, and they have this whole little like spiel that they have at the beginning saying this is fair use and this is for this you know for education purposes and all that and i guess john and terry just look the other way for that one but yeah that's one of the only ones you can actually find on youtube that's a full-fledged segment that you can
1: watch so this segment is on the box set uh uh the strange legends box set and i it might it it should end up on amazon i would think so but it didn't air until uh, the April 29th 1992 episode so it might be season four or it might be season five but anyway this deals with Noah's Ark and the search for Noah's Ark and how there are uh, some people out there that think they found it or found it in the past or saw it in the past uh, this segment is well done is really well put together It has uh, good production values I like the use of these the artwork. Uh, the the paintings of what Noah's Ark supposedly looked like when these when some of these people found it and uh, it, it is one of the definitely one of the best segments that center around uh, religion or religious artifacts yeah definitely on the show. So uh, it's widely believed that uh, Noah's Ark uh, came to rest on Mount Ararat in western Turkey. And Mount Ararat is a snow-capped and dormant compound volcano in the eastern extremity of Turkey, consisting of two major volcanic cones known as the Greater Ararat, the highest peak in Turkey, and the Lesser Ararat. And the Armenian plateau between uh, 40 kilometers, 25 miles in diameter. It is surrounded by desolate terrain rising above the headwaters of the Tigris River. Mountaineers carry canisters of oxygen with them due to the thin air above, and the mountain is also prone to lightning strikes. The existence of Noah's Ark is one of the greatest mysteries of the Bible. According to the Bible, the great ship which rescued mankind from an incredible deluge rests somewhere in the dangerous and inaccessible snow-frozen caps of the Ararat Mountains. In recent years, well, recent years by this segment's... Uh, idea of what a recent year is several expeditions under separate explorers have explored the ararat mountains for the ark incredibly two separate teams believe that they may have found the ark in two different locations 17 miles apart in 1969 a turkish businessman named george Hagobo- Hagobo- Hagobian, hagobian. Blah, blah, blah. thank you george hagobian claimed the Ark rests on Mount Ararat's northeast side under a permanent 23-square-mile glacier. In 1906, he was a young boy when he thought he saw Noah's Ark, wedged in a melted part of the glacier. He gave a description of the vessel he saw to the archaeological illustrator, Alfred Lee. According to Hogobian, he said, It looked like a long box. It was rectangular, and the corners were kind of rounded a little bit. The sides sloped in slightly. The roof was basically flat with a slight pitch to it, and there was a stair-like apparatus at one end. His uncle hoisted him up onto this ladder, he walked up onto the roof, and there, all the way down the middle of the roof, were these holes. And when he stuck his head in, it was dark. And when he shouted, his voice echoed and re-echoed inside, and that it was hollow. A few years later, when he returned to the site, the ice and snow were reclaiming it. Seventeen years later, in 1986, Lee met Ed Davis, a U.S. Army official stationed in Iran, who in 1943 was with the U.S. Army. Davis also said that he had seen the Ark during flights over the mountain in roughly the same area as George Hagobian's sightings, and his description of it was almost exactly like that of George Hagobian, with one difference. Over the years, the Ark had apparently been broken in two by receding and advancing ice, Davis described three decks inside with large cages on the bottom deck, smaller cages on the second deck, and on the roof, a venting system with many holes in it. He said that he could see the light and ventilation go clear to the bottom deck. Although Hugobian and Davis weren't able to pinpoint the exact locations, the stories intrigued Don Shockey, an amateur archaeologist, who launched an expedition to Mount Ararat in April of 1989 after studying classified U.S. satellite photos. For three days... He and his guides climbed up the mountain's south side, but the Turkish government prevented them from traveling to the north side. Ahmet, a Turkish guide, continued on by himself to an elevation of nearly 16,000 feet. At that height, he spotted something half-buried in the snow and took a photograph of the end of a rectangular object with a peaked roof just 300 yards away. Ahmet thought it was a chicken coop, but Shaki believed that Ahmet might have glimpsed the remains of Noah's Ark. He took the photograph to forensic anthropologist Dr. Jim Ebert, who declared it to be distinctly man-made. By the time Shockey returned to Ararat in 1990, the site was already covered by snow, and what was there was now completely hidden by the ice. Shockey stopped his search but remained convinced that he might have found the resulting place of Noah's Ark. The resting place of Noah's Ark. The resulting place. Offer and Ark researcher David Fasol, disagrees with Shockey's conclusions. A former merchant marine officer and merchant salvage expert, he believes the Ark is in another section and in another second location, buried 17 miles south of Mount Ararat. During a separate investigation in the late 1980s, he and his team searched the site and discovered numerous iron fittings and pins 20 to 30 inches apart. Scanned by electron microscopes at Los Alamos National Laboratory, they discovered the iron fitting was 94.84% man-made wrought iron. And from above, they formed a distinct pattern of intersecting lines, like the framework of the Ark.
0: Now, I'd like to interject real quick. Now, to me, that that finding would be the more believable one, just for the simple yeah. fact that that the Ark, was, that was 2,000-ish years ago. I mean, it was made from wood. Wood rots, especially when it's covered in snow, which, you know... Well, melts.
1: And then cause the wood Melt, to further rot.
0: And and I know they say that oh it it's it's uh you know it's not it doesn't the snow never melts up there or whatever yeah but you know it'll occasionally it you know it's not gonna it's not like a freezer where it's just gonna perpetually stay that cold the temperatures fluctuate you know the wood would rot over thousands of years come on now it would be a lot more conceivable that if there was. A trace of noah's ark left the only trace would be some kind of metallic fittings used in like as nails or something like that so that that to me is a lot more believable than a guy seeing the 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 arched what he said coop which was actually like the top of the uh, ship or whatever um i think you know i think that was just another structure now with all that being said I think it would be t- like totally rad if that was Noah's Ark. Like if you did go and if you were able to find this mythical, mythological, it would almost be like finding a dragon carcass or something, you know, it, it'd be like, wow, like this, this mythological thing, here it is, you know, and especially the story, I love the story about how the guy hoisted him up and he yeah. had the illustration, and he climbed the stairs and he you know, look down into it and it's like that is just so cool. It's it's like something that shouldn't be there, that shouldn't exist, you know. It's so um mysterious, you know, and creepy in a way. So I love that side to it. Like I love that mythological side to Well I story. love that
1: too. It reminded me kind of, you know, of stuff like in Indiana Jones, you know, finding the Ark and the Covenant. You know, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh the Ark of the Covenant, I believe that's what it's called. Yes. Um, but, and that's another one that, uh, there are some rumors I'm actually surprised that the show didn't even cover that, the Ark of the Covenant, because I, I I think I saw a documentary that it might've aired on the History Channel or Discovery back in the day, and it was on VHS and it talked about where the Ark might be. And I actually, that might be one that we might talk about it in, in another podcast. Uh, a, a non-Unsolved Mysteries segment. Because uh, I do think it's pretty fascinating.
0: They did do one on the Holy Grail, though, which was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. But anyway, Noah's Ark... Um, that is really cool. The illustrations really added a lot to that. It
0: did. It added It added a, a, a great deal, the illustrations that they
1: I, had. I don't really know if he, that's really true, though. I mean, it's one of those things that's like we don't really have proof other than his word and these paintings and it's this a, other guy. Yeah, I mean,
0: you know, whether it's, you know, is it truthful? Probably not, it but could it's a great story. Yeah.
1: It's a great story regardless, even though it probably is more than likely wishful thinking, uh, or just, you know, uh, uh, his own fable, so to speak of a modern day Noah's Ark tale. Um, but, uh, for uh, he, uh, And his uh, team, they put the boat's length at 515 feet and the width around 85 feet, the same measurements recorded in the Bible. However, other researchers believe that David Fasold found the remains of an ancient Mongol fort, while others insisted it's it's a geological formation. That's a possibility as well. You know, ore does grow, not really grow. It's not plant, they're not plants. Metal growing in the ground. (laughs) uh it does form uh naturally and uh the Mongol fort i think that's a pretty good theory as well definitely that's a more plausible theory to me uh the turkish government has declared the mound the official site where noah's ark rests and there have been two separate investigations around mount ararat in the late 1980s but not much has happened and i think mount ararat I think it was closed to tourists or something like that recently. So people can't because re- I remember that in the segment like they want to go back to Mount Ararat, but they can't because of something. Yeah. So government um, restrictions
0: and all that business that happens.
1: There's probably still government restrictions. I would think so. Um if not, I haven't really heard anything extra though about people going in and trying to find the ark. Although there was a man uh, who a businessman who built rebuilt the ark at his Creation Museum.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember vaguely hearing about that a long time ago. I actually think I was listening to Mark Marin's WTF podcast and uh, I think he actually went to the Creation Museum and he was kind of mocking the whole thing or whatever.
1: <laughs> well, it's easily mocked. I mean, he spent millions of dollars on this full-size recreation of the ark. And he massively uh, un- you know, mis- overestimated – he massively overestimated the interest and the amount of people that would come and experience this attraction, so to speak. Yeah, some attraction, just some arc –
0: well, I'm sure it's I'm nothing, sure but, he not saw... Not much in
1: it. It's just empty. I'm sure he saw it's the just, Passion
0: of the Christ numbers, you know, when that movie came out. I'm sure he saw the numbers on that, and he's like, hey, Jesus is selling right now, so...
1: I it, think that was a long... I think it was afterwards. It was, this is a while after Passion of the Christ. Yeah,
0: but still, though, you know, he saw that religious kind of stuff in mainstream media can... Do well, and he was probably thinking there would be pilgrimages made by all these churches all across America to to see this thing. I'm sure is what he thought.
1: Yeah, and I'm, surpri- but, I mean- I'm
0: surprised that didn't happen, honestly, given the the country that we live in. I'm surprised people ha- didn't go and do that. What is it? Was it a financial failure or something? Or
1: I believe so. Uh, the I guess there were people that I guess went to. Ark Encounter hits the iceberg of reality on a maiden voyage. Report noticed a steady decline. Uh, For those of you who still haven't seen the jaw-dropping disaster on blogs like The Friendly Atheist uh, and so on with the uh, Ark. Uh, This is a Twitter post uh, by... uh, At Mr. Atheist Pants. So impressed by the way that they replicated the original Ark chandeliers, AC ducts, and polished hardwood floors. Hashtag, oh, Noah, he didn't. Oh, my God. Yeah. Photos of a nearly deserted parking lot and non-existent entry lines, the sheer number of unmanned ticket windows is a pitiful testament to how badly AIG overestimated the popularity of the whole farce. Combined with reports that there were more atheists and pro-science attendees than anyone else except perhaps staff, it could not have been anything but demoralizing as much as AIG would doubtlessly try to spin it as a resounding success. What immediately strikes you upon viewing the images that have been posted so far is that, absurd as it all is, this is a construction that spent the hell out of near the nearly $100 million that was poured into it. Elaborate displays, rows and rows of animal cages with speakers placed within, providing atmospheric honks and squawks, Intricately carved wooden signs, inventing elaborate explanations for how waste, product, disposal, and feeding were supposedly handled, and dinosaurs. Yep, it's got them. It's got dinosaurs. What does it have? Dragons and mermaids? Like that, uh... And unicorns? Like that, uh... Robot chicken sketch? <laughs> All this money and all this effort spent on a monument to propagating ignorance and myth, all to defend the delusions of a sad man, lots of them really, terrified that science is telling him he has no heaven to go to when he dies. Imagine living in so much a fear of knowledge that you dedicate your life to moronity, to a massive scale. After all these years, I still shake my head at it all. This is from a a blog called freethoughtblogs.com. This is not from my opinion about religion... (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, but, uh, yeah. you know, obviously they they had an agenda, you know, to kind of like you know tear this guy a new asshole because they're all like atheists and they want to see this fail and you know whatever that's that's their prerogative, if that's what they want to do. But I mean, yeah, I mean, as as a little ridiculous, uh, I view it a little uh, more in the vein of like this guy probably saw an opportunity to make a lot of money, um, and that that was kind of like his motives because I mean. To, to go to to that scale like I said he probably thought that there were gonna be like you know pilgrimages of all these churches and stuff coming out to see this thing and it was gonna just be rolling in dough and then when I guess that didn't happen uh, you know he, they took a bath on the whole thing so
1: this this is actually pretty recent this is like 2016 Wow um that was and there's there's all these different reviews. Some people are, like, amazing. Other people are, like, this is supposed to be a floating replica of Noah's boat and said it's a modern building with a boat facade on one side, nowhere near water, and the authorities deemed it unsuitable for animal habitation. So there are no animals on board. It is a windowless wooden building with a gift shop. We um, left see, very uninspired. Yeah,
0: the, the gift shop just put it over the top for me. I'm now officially, like, fuck this guy and his venture capitalism I don't know if that's the right word or not, but whatever. Well, I mean,
1: also, the, the Ark Encounter, the Creation Museum itself, I mean, is is a whole other crazy case. Um, uh, it, it's crazy. Uh, after independent feasibility studies projected the park would provide a boon to the state's tour- tourism industry in Kentucky... The Ark Encounter received tax incentives from the city, county, and state to induce its construction. This drew criticism from groups concerned with the separation of church and state, rightfully so. A dispute over AIG's hiring practices was adjudicated in the U.S. Federal Court, which found in 2016 that the organization could require Ark Encounter employees to sign a statement of faith as a condition of their employment, prompting criticism of the park's discriminatory hiring practices.
0: What, so you had to be a Christian essentially to work there? Yep. Wow, that's some bullshit. Uh,
1: The visitor experience. On arrival, visitors ride a shuttle from a 4,000 space parking lot along a one-mile path to the Ark. Photo opportunities are provided as visitors approach the Ark from its port side. Contrary to the intuition of many, the end with the fin is considered the bow. And what may resemble a modern bulbous bow is actually the stern of the structure. The Ark contains 132 bays, each standing about 18 feet high, arranged into three decks. Visitors enter on the lowest deck and move between decks on the ramps constructed through the center of the Ark. Bays on the first deck contain models of, the sum of, the, of some animals that AIG believes were, on the flood, believes were on the Ark. There are no live animals within the Ark. The models are meant to represent kinds of animals which A.G. maintains to rise, give rise to modern animals through an assumed process of rapid speciation following the Flood, which is a bunch of bullshit. Dinosaurs are among the models presented. Really? The second deck contains... Dinosaurs do not exist alongside modern man. The second deck contains more animal models, along with dioromas of Noah's Workshop and blacksmith. So what are you telling me? Are you telling me that dinosaurs were fucking... You tell me dinosaurs were alive during the era of Christ, or, or Noah, and all of that. Was Noah a Neanderthal? But wait a minute. Dinosaurs weren't around when Neanderthals were alive either. Uh, the second deck contains more animal models, along with dioramas of Noah's workshop and blacksmith. Bays on the third deck contain displays presenting AIG's theories about m- what may have happened inside and outside the Ark during the Flood. Displays in three of the bays display artifacts from the Green collection and promote the Museum of the Bible, a Washington, D.C. attraction currently being constructed by the Green family who donated to the Ark Encounters construction. Oh, advertising, great. The Ark is held 15 feet off the ground by a series of concrete towers. The starboard side of the hole merges into three 80-foot masonry towers containing stairwells, elevators, and restrooms. A gift shop is positioned below the Ark while a restaurant is, called Esmara's Kitchen, an allusion to the traditional Jewish name for Noah's wife, is located behind the ark. Oh
0: my ark. god, that's so corny.
1: The Ararat Ridge Zoo, a free petting zoo, is also part of the attraction.
0: Okay, now, now to even all the Christians out there and people of faith, how does this not strike you as exploitive in any way? You know, I mean, maybe some people are like, oh my god, man, they're talking about religion and they're hammering down on this thing but how is that not exploitive you know what i mean like how is that not taking something that's supposed to be you know holy to you and sacred and just exploiting it for for monetary gain how is that not like that and it you, totally
1: is And it's, you know it's that like, restaurant
0: ain't cheap you know they're charging yeah. like four dollars for a coke
1: it's like if they made like an attraction over like uh, the cross that Jesus was crucified on, or an attraction for the Holy Grail. Yeah, it's it's just so. It is. It's exploitation at its finest. Jesus in three D. And- <laughs> Soon after the opening of the Ark Encounter, various atheist web pit sites alleged that the attendance levels at the attraction were below expected levels. In mid September, it was reported that about 300,000 people visited the attraction in its first nine weeks, with about 95% of them coming from outside the vicinity, exceeding projections. By late October, over 400,000 people visited the attraction, continuing to exceed projections. This is in contrast to a state study that projected the attraction to receive 325,000 to under 500,000 visitors in the first year. Now, I don't know. This is Wikipedia, so things could be edited. It easily could have been one of those things. Well, no, it's not underperforming. It's doing really well.
0: Alright, so I I myself am running low on time
1: here. Um, So I could be completely wrong, but I honestly think that ultimately it'll flop considering it costs $100 million to make. Yeah, that's
0: nuts. So, uh, like I promised in the uh, Facebook group there, Uncovering Unsolved. Oh, shit. Oops. I almost said what? Whoa. Uncovering UnExplained Mysteries group. We're going to answer the uh, last of your questions here, starting last week. Um, We're just going to do these real quick. Uh, Ariel Smith asks, uh, what are your top five segments of all time? Just right off the top of my head. Allagash Abductions, Missing Time, uh, Bad Chief, uh, the one with Greg Webb, the murderous cop. Um, Fuck. Uh, um, um, Strange Legends. Mothman. Um... And um, fuck, fuck, fuck. Um, I like Brandon Lee. I like that segment a lot. I'm just gonna go with that for right now.
1: Uh huh. There's too many for me to do five, uh, and especially not off the top of my head. I mean, Allagash is definitely one of them. I like the Mothman segment, um, and a few of the other uh, bizarre murders and stuff like that, and uh, a lot of the unexplained stuff. Uh, some of the ghost ones, the tall men, uh, haunting, uh, but yeah, there's just so many that it, it's really hard for me to just pick five. Um, All right, next
0: question we got from Morgan Chow Gebhardt who asks, which case would you really, 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 really want to see solved? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing that's really coming up to the top of my head right at the moment. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything right now. I'll have to get back to you on that one. Uh, next question is from Mario Rios. What are the worst featured, what are the worst featured mystery ever for you two?
1: Featured mystery. Featured mystery. What are the worst um, featured uh, mystery ever? If we're talking about featured segments, you know, there's definitely stuff like aphrodisiacs, uh, some of the miracle segments. We did a whole
0: episode about uh, some of our least favorite unsolved mystery segments, and those are really, I guess, the ones that we already talked about and that we stand by. Storm in Hell. Yes. we just
1: did one recently on the Gold Flake Lady. Who's so, a flake?
0: Yeah, if you want to go back and uh, check that out, that's a whole episode back in December we did of the uh, of our some of our most uh, hated, well not hated, but some of the worst segments on Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, Mike Brill asked, "Did you guys ever get into the Unsolved Mysteries discussions on the sitcoms online forums?" I did. I didn't. I did. did. I, I jumped in there and I bitched about uh, what happened uh, with the podcast, with me having a rebrand it, and John and Terry and the Cease and Desist. And they basically called, uh, well, one of the guys called me a liar and said I was a, a bitch, um, which that's, that's uh, message boards for you. Um, some more people were more believing of me. And then sitcoms online just locked me out of my account and I wasn't able to log in every time I changed my password, they said it was an incorrect password. so I changed it again successfully and they said it was incorrect. So I just said, fuck it. I don't give a fuck about this stupid site anymore. If people don't want to listen to our podcast from that site this is the only reason I went on there was to pro- promote the podcast and kind of explain what happened to me or whatever. so I yeah I just said fuck it. Um, so I,
1: I check it out, but I'm not a part of the forum. Because you don't have to be signed into the forum to look at the posts. So I I, I still keep checking the posts every now and then because it is a good resource, especially for when they do a segment, you know, do episode guides for the streaming seasons. Although the guy who's been on there, Hot Jock, is slacking he keeps saying, Oh, I'm gonna have the season three guide up, I'm gonna have it up, and then he hasn't had it up, and then he's making excuses, Well, I'm busy, you just make your own, you know, type thing. And I'm like, You said you were gonna make it. So do it.
0: Here comes the a t- hell. Here comes a douche with the motor on his bicycle. Maybe it's hot jock. <laughs> God
1: um, That's then, a good n- nickname for that guy, Hot yeah, Jock. Yeah,
0: that guy's new name is Hot Jock, who, who rides his fucking bicycle with the motor <laughs> on it up and down the road. That's Hot Jock. Just cruising on, No, not a care in the world. Mike's last question is, uh, favorite true crime pro- podcast? Me and Mike don't listen to true crime podcasts. <laughs> that was the answer to that one.
1: I tried listening <laughs> to one of them, and I just I couldn't do it. And I know it's the one that says that they're the unofficial Unsolved Mysteries podcast, the trail that went cold, but to me it's a very cold podcast it it, it doesn't really warm me up it, it's very bland to me it's a, it's 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 extremely scripted you can tell and i i just prefer the more loose style of a podcast where you're not making sure that every single thing that you say is scripted and and you're not trying to do your best Robert Stack impression. I mean, honestly, be yourself.
0: Oh, is that what the guy was trying to do? He's trying to like not
1: not not really, but it just felt like he was trying to be as professional as humanly possible, which came across as fake to me. That happens a lot with podcasts and a lot and other videos on YouTube. It's just they they have this scripted thing. It sounds like they've rehearsed it many times. So they have this very definite uh sing-songy sort of uh line delivery
0: yeah but i mean you know I, I may not listen to true crime podcasts. mike may not listen to true crime podcasts. But if you do
1: that's cool that's awesome
0: yeah but we we support them like I, oh yeah like i totally su- i support um generation y and Uh, last podcast on the left and vanished and up and vanished Um, yeah
1: we we don't want to be like oh we don't support them at all i I mean i may not really care to listen to them but
0: it's just
1: let me see here
0: there's a guy named joe ross who um he's, he's he actually did a pretty cool thing on reddit he put together a true crime a list of all the true crime podcasts on reddit and he was kind enough to uh Put our podcast in there, and he does a show called a uh, True Crime Review podcast, and that's actually I'd like to have him on the podcast. So if you guys listen to True Crime Review, let us know, and uh, you know it might be a treat to have him on here in the future. And there's some other people. The bigger podcasts are kind of hard because I guess they're busier or for whatever reason they just they're harder to kind of. You know, whatever. Um, oh, and another little tidbit. I guess I'll drop on you guys. I don't even think Mike knows this, but um, I'm gay. No, I'm just joking. Um, now, I emailed. Uh, I emailed, um, I emailed uh, CrimeCon. I think that's coming up in June. I emailed them and uh, I told them that we'd be interested in participating uh, amongst the other podcasters on Podcast Row. Um, haven't received an email back yet but um, yeah I mean if they're willing to pay for our airfare at least then me and Mike have both kind of said we would do it we both kind of had a conversation about it and if they're willing to pay for the airfare hey we'll show up so waiting to get an email back from them but I did email con, so we might show up there who knows yeah but that's all the time I have I gotta go run and do my karaoke gig over in uh, Orange Park which means nothing to any of you who don't live in Jacksonville <laughs> Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, as for, uh, me and, uh, Mike, uh, that is the end of the podcast. Everybody have a good night. See ya. Here are some more outtakes so you can laugh at Josh's many misfortunes
1: imagine opening the podcast with that? <laughs> <laughs> Alright.
0: Okay, now I'm too loud. Okay, check, 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 fuck, 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 fuck. Cunt, 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 cunt. Shit, shit, Ooh. shit, 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 shit. shit. <laughs> I gotta make sure my, my swears are in tune. The C word.
1: I don't see the big deal about that word. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I could kind of get it, but it, ma- it makes, uh, I, I mean, I, the one I don't get is moist. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. I don't know why some women are so triggered by moist. I feel
0: like that's become more of a meme than anything else. And just, you know, like anything else, people just jump on board with and go, oh, man, don't even say that word around me. It's like, bitch, you didn't have a problem with it like two years ago. You only had a problem with it. When everyone else started having a problem with it, you fucking follower. <laughs>
1: Cheap. Sheep, like the stupid whitewashing controversy with the Ghost in the Shell movie. I saw it; it was great. I loved it. That was so the IMAX.
0: Yeah, that was so weird. Um, seeing a positive review about a movie from you, a new movie especially,
1: because it seems well. I like- did a lot of one. I did Logan. I I did one for uh, John Wick Chapter Two, Kong Skull Island. I mean, every film that I've seen in the theater this year, I've liked.
0: So 2017, it's been a strong year for movies then, eh?
1: Well, so far, so, I mean, other than the movies that I thought were going to suck, sucked. Power Rangers sucked, but, you know, pretty sure some other movies I think are going to suck are going to suck too. I haven't really seen a film that's been really that disappointing to me. I actually thought the live-action film was better than the anime. And when I do my reviews, I'm going to say it. And I'm probably going to get a lot of shit for it. I don't really care. (laughs) The anime is nowhere near as flawless as so many of these fans make it out to be. They keep talking about how deep it is and how uh, complex the themes are. And I watched the film, and I've seen it twice, the anime. And I'm like, what themes? Oh, the the psychobabble straight out of a psychology textbook? That? that I've heard a million fucking times. I've never actually
0: seen any of that stuff. I just think it has a really cool uh, name. Like, that's a really cool title for a show.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I mean, that it does... See, Ghost in the Shell, the anime, has a good idea. There are some not, I, I will say it has an edge over the live-action film because it is more of a harder violence. It has harder edge to it. There's uh, the violence actually, you know, there's blood and, and stuff like that, so the hyper-violence aspect is definitely in the film's favor. But it has a really terrible climax, uh, and it's really slowly paced. The movie feels like exposition, the movie, the most in picture. Mm-hmm. And I love how the people are, who are fans of the anime are criticizing the film and saying, well, it's just exposition dialogue. Not as much as the anime! <laughs> And uh yeah there is a little bit too much of it but the anime has mostly that's all it is there's no character development so i really don't get the overwhelming praise for the 1995 anime to me it's average it's beautiful visually i like the idea the score is good the directing is fine uh but i don't understand the oh my god it's uh, you know it feels like those type of you know people go to film school and they see, you know, a film like Ghost in the Shell, and they're like, it blew my mind, man. You know those kind of people. You know where it's like it's not really that great. I, I, I think it's extremely overrated, to be perfectly honest. Now the other film, I haven't watched the uh the anime TV series that the tie-in to its standalone complex, but I downloaded it, and it actually looks like fun. Are you a fan of it anime? Lo- eh. See, that's the thing. I'm not super big on anime, to be perfectly honest. I didn't grow up with anime. I've only seen a few of them. I'm so- Akira is probably the one that I, I probably like the most off the top of my head. But Ghost in the Chalk and Watch is a time waster, but I, I absolutely like the live action film more. My friend, um, that-
0: friend Abigail is a huge fan of anime. She loves Naruto and Bleach. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I forget whatever else. I, the only anime that I ever got into is, of course, like, the typical, like, male, uh, American, uh, thing that all male 20-somethings like, and, of course... Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z. Uh, I yeah, I
1: never really got into that. I've seen a few episodes on Toonami, and it just didn't really grab me.
0: Well, I remember back in the day, Cartoon Network... And Pokemon! I watched Pokemon. Is that
1: considered anime? Yeah, technically yes.
0: Yeah, I liked Pokemon. Um, I I, like back in the day, Cartoon Network only ordered a few, uh, like episodes of Dragon Ball Z. So they would get to a certain point in the show, and then they just loop it back from the beginning. So like Goku would become like a Super Saiyan, and he defeated Nappa and, um, uh, Vegeta. And yeah. then Frieza came into the picture and then they just looped it all the way back to the beginning of the show. And I was like, I, I, and as a kid, you know, I just thought, well, I guess that's all there is of this strange show that I've never heard of. Not <laughs> not realizing that it's been around since like the fucking 80s or, or yeah. even previously. Like,
1: well, it's like Power Rangers, Power Rangers, the stock footage it uses from a show called Super Sentai. Yeah. So
0: I've, I recently learned that as well or maybe it was something I knew but I forgot I also liked um, which I think it only came out in the 90s I think it is uh, I think it wasn't really anime because it was done over here but it was Eon Flux
1: on MTV remember yeah that that yeah I've seen episodes of that on liquid television because it it, it premiered on liquid television MTV that is a really strange a surreal show but um, it's definitely better than the movie all right, so, so a, lot, um, a lot of people are going out, you know, goes to the show, blah, 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 and uh, they change the story. Yeah, they actually had a story. The anime didn't have a story. <laughs> I, I've seen the film twice now. and People are saying, you're missing something. What the hell am I missing? Philosophy fucking quotes? I don't, it came I don't, out of Socrates' ass?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, I have no... In- uh, I I my world is so small of things that I can invest time and in, in uh, energy into, um, so I, I don't know about any of that stuff. So what's the order here that we that we want to do for this
1: week? What do you want to do? How do you want to do it?
0: Um, I like the diversity of this episode. We got a treasure, we got a murder, and we got a um, a fantasy, strange, a fable, strange
1: legend. <laughs> a fable. <laughs> You're not gonna call it a strange legend. You're just like it's just a fantasy. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't know. It's I fancy. W- fantasy. We'll get in. We'll get into what I feel about it. But um, okay, so I'm thinking. Oh, we also got to do the AMA thing. I'll go ahead and pull that article up now.
1: Do you want to do that as like a record it and then do it as a bonus, or do you want to put it actually in this episode? Um, I want to put it in this episode. I yeah, because wanted... Plumber's Booty is pretty short. I mean, that was like an eight minute long segment. Okay, so we're so...
0: both we're both going to be reading from the Mental Floss Twelve Things We Learned About Unsolved Mysteries.
1: Uh, can you send me that link again? Because I thought I bookmarked it, but apparently I didn't. All right. Noah's Ark, I'm just looking off of the wikia. And I've seen that segment numerous times. I just
0: watched the segment before I got on here. So,
1: um, So okay, let me Plum think. Booty, I had to like refresh my memory, and I was like, oh, it's that one. Okay, now I know it, that one. That's the one about the outlaw sheriff guy in the in the in the wild west who found this treasure but then he became an outlaw when didn't he get like killed he got hanged yeah until he he was dead 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 that's a young guns two reference oh no
0: when you're gonna learn your references are always gonna get lost on me mike
1: well, I mean, Young Guns too. though, I, I still might mention it because it, people in the audience might remember it because it's a very fun quote because uh, in the film, the this judge is, is talking about, they, he's caught Billy the Kid and he's like, you will be hanged until you are dead, dead, dead. And then Billy is like, <laughs> well, you can go to hell, hell, hell. <laughs> that is pretty
0: funny um okay let's I, I don't know let's just do um let's let's start off with what people typically like which is the murder shit so we'll start off with rizzo we'll go okay. to treasure because that's got some murdery stuff in. Yeah, and then we'll and, and,
1: and noah's ark finish All right.
0: uh, finish on the fancy pants fairy tale thing so let's we'll
1: start out with ama first and then go into are we doing another q a in this one no, or
0: no I'm, well oh shit i did say that i would yeah, fuck, I guess at the end we'll do a quick, because I told the people last week that the their their questions would be answered on the next one, so uh, yeah, I should pull it's that I thought up. I'd
1: mention that, you know, so. I
0: forgot about that, but yeah, good. Cause people I don't, would be
1: like, you forgot about everything, you forgot to be in the AMA, you forgot to do <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's yeah. almost as if you guys aren't professionals and you're just doing this for fun, uh, and uh, you know, you're not really getting paid to do it,
1: you know. I don't all- think they would have answered your question. Anyway. No, I
0: don't think so either, but it's a, my point is, like, it's like, yeah, we're not fucking professionals. <laughs> what, what, is there anything about this podcast that's ever come off as professional in any, any way, shape, or form? I don't, didn't think so. So, what do you expect, man? Like, I... I make time to do it because I like doing it. But as far as like, I mean, if, if we start getting like sponsors and. This, oh, then
1: that, that yeah. Yeah,
0: totally then I'll, you know, we'll kick it up. I'll kick up the responsibility a notch. But uh, as of right now, it's just kind of like, you know, you get what you get. <laughs> Let me see here. Okay, so I said Ariel Smith and down, we would answer. That's,
1: that sounds like something that uh, Leonard Rizzo would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: That guy was so greasy. Okay,
1: so I guess... You made me uh, physically uncomfortable watching. Especially, I was watching on my computer, so, you know, it was like I was looking straight at him.
0: Q&A. Alright, yeah, we'll have to try to breeze through this here.
1: There were some other questions, I think. I
0: I got them pulled up.
1: I'm trying to find them again on the Facebook page. I
0: I found it, um... I mean, there's really—I don't know if there's a—I can't send you
1: the exact spot on the. What you can is probably copy and paste the questions or something. Put it on the. Th- yeah, or to try doing that. Jared supposed-
0: Yeager's a liar.
1: <laughs> I love Jared, that. Jared, Yeager is a liar. What? Okay, I got, I got. Jared Yeager has like some. I, I got the. I I found the spot now. I got it. Oh my. That's Jeez. Gassiness.
0: Okay. Um yeah, we'll have to get ready for another. we got Ariel, yeah, Ariel uh, Smith
1: down. Morgan, Mario, Mike.
0: I get I get Mario, Mike and Eddie. I get them all confused like as the same person for some reason.
1: Mario is a was a long-time friend of mine, longtime subscriber, so yeah, I pretty much know
0: pretty well all right let's uh let's get into this all right episode 41 here okay yep. rec- oh yeah that's right i've been recording because people seem to like outtakes so there and i'm sure there'll be a lot more on
1: this uh podcast i the- guess the burps
0: <laughs> no i actually didn't get the well i got the last one but i didn't get the real big one unfortunately <laughs> all right here we go Um, And then it goes back to the reenactment again in the show. The phone rings. This is in uh, and the caller goes, "Uh, is this the San Antonio police? Which is kind of dumb because it's like you dialed the number, dumbass. Yeah. And he goes, I reported that Monica Rizzo had been murdered a few weeks ago. You need to go back and search their house again. Leonard Rizzo killed his wife. The bones were in the backyard. They're under a pile of. Touches, but what the fuck? Edit number one. Edit number one. It's gonna be fun with edit number one. Fifty two thirty one. Ding ding. Stupid fucking notes. Fifty two thirty one. Eh! Hey. Uh. All right. So what did I mean to say here? Backyard. They're under a pile of tires, not touches. What the fuck? Why did I write the question? <laughs> touch wait is it hush hush na 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 na
1: na 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 ah na. Uh, i was just thinking about the song by daft punk that they had oh uh, yeah touch. the guy
0: I remember touch. touch.
1: Memories
0: from Touch. From touch. Tell me what you mean. That guy was so uh operatic in his singing
1: of that song. I, I like it. It's yeah. Paul Williams. He, he was uh have you seen a a film that he was in called uh Phantom of the Paradise? Now, now Mike, why are
0: you asking me questions like that? What do you What do you think the answer is? Well, it's
1: a be? it's a musical. I thought you might have seen that.
0: You call me queer boy? No. I'm just Not at all. No, I haven't seen it.
1: Because I know you like music, so I do,
0: and, uh, and I just don't like musicals. They're a little
1: uh, uh, this is this, this will be up your alley. This is a this is more like Rocky Horror Picture Show and stuff like that.
0: Hey, only that... I, de- I only I decide what goes up my alley, and that's in the privacy of my own home. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> but, but I, I do recommend it if you like Paul Williams, if you liked his music there. He, he sings a good amount of songs in it, and uh, he plays a uh, record producer for this, uh, a record company called death records what this is it's directed by brian de palma and it's a version of phantom of the opera okay
0: okay let's do a take two uh all right and let me just do a quick break here because i'm actually going to grab my guitar and do a little slide guitar thing for the intro for the music so it's 107:31. it's not going to be long and it's not going to sound good either so just <laughs> hold on
1: Oh uh, hmm. <clears throat>
0: Jaeger's that one that spilled the beans, but of course when a man's facing a noose, he has second thoughts about a lot of things. According to one account, he said, Looks like you're gonna hang me, boys, but if you do, I know a lot of others that deserve it just as much as I do. And that was the first firm indication that Henry Plummer was the leader of the gang. The vigilantes went to the Plummer's house. Let me take a take-two on that one, because I read that sentence all fucky. Hour 1442. Let me try that again. Uh, Jaeger's the one that spilled the beans, but of course, when a man's facing a noose, he has second thoughts about a lot of things. According to one account, he said, Looks like you're going to hang me, boys, but if you do... I know a lot of others that deserve it just as much as I do. Well,
1: oh, fuck, hold on a second, <laughs> uh-huh. Henry. All right, let's do
0: a take three on that. Yeah, I love the corruption. I love that he was the sheriff, but he was also like, you know, it's it's essentially a a small, um, just like, uh, what do you call the, uh, it's, um, he was playing. Uh, okay, I got, I, got, I got the word. I got the word. And again, here's another edit. Um, One twenty-one twenty-eight. Um, fuck. I hear you clapping and humor over there. Uh, because I,
1: I, think, I feel that Noah's sorry. Ark. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I feel that Noah's Ark. One twenty-four forty-four.